For many of you, dry January is coming to a close, and you're starting to think about what things are going to look like going forward. If you've decided you want to keep going, but you're not sure what you need to do to keep maintaining your sobriety, stick around, because this episode is just for you. We're going to dig into what it looks like after you've gotten used to not drinking, and are ready to start moving forward into really building an alcohol-free life. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Don't forget to check out our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com. We're always adding new content and building an alcohol-free lifestyle where you can really find fulfillment and thrive. Hello and welcome, you guys. It's so nice to see everybody. I'm really excited. So this, we always record a little bit early, um, but this is actually the first episode that we're recording of the new year. So I'm really excited to to tackle 2024 and it's super cool to be here with you guys. So we are, as per usual, going to go through our introductions. I'm going to start with Chuck. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? It's, um, well, I go by Chuck Flange. My real name's Chris. I don't uh, hide it anymore, but I created the monster a long time ago. So I have been sober now 15 months, something like that. I, it's, it's funny because I don't, I don't count until somebody asks me how long I've been sober for. So as, as typically speaking anyway, um, just because I, I, I kind of found some freedom in, in not worrying about it and just kind of living for today. I started my, my podcast, my, my content creation journey, uh, February of last year. And, uh, yeah, and our, our message is, is about, you know, um, sharing the love for family members more than anything and, and trying to help them to understand so that they can help their loved ones that are suffering an addiction. And your podcast is ashes to awesome, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. It okay. Is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'll make sure that I include links for that in our show notes. So everybody can. Absolutely. Yeah. can keep in touch with you. Cool. And just so the listeners know, where can they find your podcast? Um, A2Apodcast.com. That's a number two, a podcast.com. And of course on the socials, uh, more Facebook than anything. If you search for Ash Stossum, you find the page there. Uh, yeah, we do three episodes a week. Yeah. Very, very busy. Video on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Also video on YouTube. Uh, Spotify has got the video. YouTube's got the video. And then of course, sound you can do on all the platforms. Right. So yeah, right on. Very cool. Yeah. We'll make sure we get our, our listeners in touch with you. I know people can use all the inspiration that they can get. I love the idea that you focus on helping families. I think that is so valuable and so important. So yeah, very cool. Um, we're going to go with Haley next. How are you? I am great. How are you? Good. I'm Haley D or Giggles. Um, I am 358 days sober. Next uh, week from today is my one year um, soberversary. Um, so that's coming up. I'm super excited. You can find me on your social media because y'all are my home group. That's where I get all my, that's, I go through them now. Um, and then I do, also, I recover out loud um, against the odds recovery. Um, I am, 
a Christ, I mean, I have Christian faith based in my recovery, but I am recover out loud for every aspect of every disease. So uh, I'm just trying to end the stigma and recover out loud. So those that are suffering in silence do not die. And they can see through my story how deathly alcohol is. And I, you know, and I will, I'll share more of that later, but that's all I got. Thank you for letting me get beyond here. Ah, thank you for being here. We actually met Haley on Facebook. Now she comes to our Monday night meetings and hangs out with us on Zoom every week. So super cool to have you on here. And it's just been such a pleasure to get to know you. I threw my ridiculous laundry folding party last night. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I literally posted, I made a, an image and I, and I was like, who hates folding laundry? It's me. I always have the pile of laundry. So I decided that I would throw uh, like a sober laundry folding party on Zoom. And there was like five or six of us and we all folded laundry and someone cleaned up the space and we just kind of hung out and shot the breeze while we all did our things. I had a whole pile of it. It was fun. It was amazing. I got so much done. Podcast worth of laundry. It's awesome. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so cool. I love that you guys did that. I'm sad I missed that. Uh, I don't think do it this, again. I don't think it'll be the last time it was. Can you be? That's the way to do laundry now, y'all. <laughs> Who would have thought you'd be folding laundry on Zoom, right? right? I mean, it's, I I hate everything about COVID, but the one thing it did was bring us all together the way right. that we are now, and now we can have laundry folding parties um, on Amen. Zoom. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> The beauty of technology. Yeah, so last we're going to go with Jason. Jason was actually just on the podcast not too long ago and is stepping in and hanging out with us again today. So how are you? Great. Thanks for having me back. And I'm really jealous I missed the laundry folding party because <laughs> I have a pile in my bedroom that I've been picking up all week to put on my clothes for the... This came off my floor, of course. <laughs> So I, I, you, I, I know you. I, I know that guy. That's me. I feel like there's a podcast to be made about silver laundry or silver laundry. <laughs> so maybe a podcast, right? Like this instead of maybe a sex tape. Well, yeah. So I like her. But it was proof if we work it, it, we got things done. We worked the program the entire time. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I've, One, I've got the image, time. Jason. I've got the image, Jason. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on your group and I'll let you know. I'm probably going to do it that. again. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you make an event, make sure you put it in our sober gangster community. Yeah, I, yeah, I will. I will for sure. Coming your way, yeah. another laundry party. Just quick, <laughs> quick, quick intro. Jason Williams, sober gangster been in recovery for 27 years and you know i'm same as Haley. you know just really try to focus on recovering out loud sharing the message of hope building community i love you know even the way i live and what i wear like i recover out loud with my clothes i have a clothing brand uh sobergangster.com and chuck i really am excited to listen to your podcast i, I love that you're doing it focused a lot on the families you know going back to my wreckage by the people I hurt the most were my families and them trying to figure out what to do with me and how to support me. You know, I put them through the ringer. So I love that you have a focus on that. That's a big deal. Really cool. Well, thank you all three so much for being here really quick because it's been a long time since Steve and I have mentioned how long we've been sober and we like to, to do that every so often. 
Um, I'm just about to hit 28 months. And Steve, you are? I am like three months short of three years. So, yeah. good like, guys. good for you. 33. Thousands. Yeah, uh, yeah, thir- yeah, just about 33 months. 33, okay. Just over a thousand days. Super cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So um, this episode is going to come out on January 29th, which is the end of dry January for a lot of people. So we thought today we could talk about what now. It seems like everyone reaches a point in sobriety after the first month or so where staying sober feels more natural and doesn't take quite as much work but then they end up feeling sort of stuck and aren't really sure what direction to start moving, which then, of course, can send them into the danger zone in a hurry. So what did that look like in your recovery journey? Once you got a handle on staying sober, how did you answer the question, what now? Just anybody go? Oh, okay. Absolutely. It's a free for all. I'll just jump in just because it's such a cool perspective. Like, because what now, you know, that I've been in recovery for 27 years, what now hasn't gone away? I just talked about this on my live before, you know, I hopped on with you guys. Like complacency and that stagnancy comes and goes at like ebbs and flows. And, you know, every time I, I'm really good at growth and change and, uh, applying the principles or the suggestions when I'm in pain. But as soon as I start to feel better, regardless if I'm after my first dry January or I'm 27 years sober, as soon as I start to feel better, all the things that I was working on kind of go to the wayside, all the tools that I'm using, all the like journaling, the meditation, the you know, going to a meeting every day, that stuff kind of goes to the wayside because I get complacent. And when that complacency kicks in and that stagnancy, then I start picking up bad behaviors and, you know, eating a large pizza at night or, you know, bored. Like my last drink wasn't because I had a horrible event happen 27 years ago. It was because I'd been sober for a year and a half and was kind of like, sure, I'll take a beer. That was all it took. And so that's, you know, that complacency is almost scarier than turmoil. Turmoil, I dive into the work. Heartache, pain, suffering, I'm, I dive into the solution. But it's that, you know, when you're stagnant, when I get stagnant is when I get slippery. It's, it's a hard place to be in. And to try to find your way back to doing the work is, you know, challenging sometimes. I'm going through it right now. Like I'm trying to stay in the work. I'm trying to stay in the momentum. But things are starting to feel better. And I'm skipping maybe writing this morning. So I think it's a great topic regardless of how long you've been sober. Well, when when I talked to you this morning and recognized that you were going to be on today, I was like, he's been sober for a really long time. And the first question that came to my mind was, how many times have you gone through the what now? Because I know I'm, I'm just over a thousand days. And I think I've gone through like the what now that ebb and that flow that you're talking about. I've probably gone through it like, I don't know, six times, maybe seven times somewhere in there. If I, if I really dig deep and look at it, it's like, okay, something has to change. And then I know what to do in turmoil. But when, when, when I'm on the rise, there's like this massive question mark and, and, and it's, and it's like a, I have to make a decision 
or it's that leap of faith, right? Like, yeah, that's where it comes. It's like, and now I have to grab into the unknown. Yeah. The, the spiritual bankruptcy has come numerous times throughout my recovery, but it's almost like, again, when things are going really good, it's almost like numbness kicks in. It's almost like I'm just, I'm not feeling as connected. I'm not feeling as a part of, I'm not do- in the middle of the work and, and until it starts to hurt again. And then you dive, I feel like I dive back into that work. And so trying to maintain that. Can I ask yeah. how long you, have you been doing sober gangster for like a, as a content creator? Oh, uh, sober gangster. I think I started this about two years ago, but really is diving, that, diving into that it. Uh, I, I shared this with a friend just the other day about four months ago. Cause I really kind of put myself out there with sober gangster. I felt so tied to my purpose. I felt so tied to connecting with community and, you know, a higher calling than, and I think that's some of the things that we are looking for and searching for when we find recovery, it's like, what's my higher calling? What's my higher purpose? What's, what's my purpose in life? And and that changes the longer you stay sober. There's moments where you're, I'm, I'm vibing, I'm feeling it. It might be about my family for a period of time. It might be about my job for a period of time. And right now it's about the community and giving back and carrying that message. But yes, it has helped. It's that purpose. The, the reason I ask is I, I started mine four months, four months into sobriety. I started yeah. mine. I haven't had a what now moment since because I'm so involved. Right. And, and it, there's some, there's some thought around that too, or you better find something else because that can't be the only thing, you know, and I'm, I'm sure at 27 years, you, you'd have all sorts of things to say about that, but I don't like, I don't have the what now moments because I am so involved. I am. And I have the day I started, I, I put 12, 16 hours a day in, and I've had less than five days off since. Right. So it's been like, it's been balls to the wall ever since. So what you're talking about now is those what now moments over the course of years, it's actually kind of scary. If, you know, if, if I ever get to a point where I don't have to work 70 hours a week, right, then what? <laughs> well, and it's, 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 it's really purpose, right? It's, you know? it's really cool though. Cause what you're saying is like, in my example, when I start to feel better, I kind of step away from the things that work. Well, you're yeah. feeling great, but you're so heavily involved in the things that work. Like there is nothing that resolves a, a disconnect than another alcoholic talking with another alcoholic or another human helping another human. And so you're in this place where you're constantly in the work, even if you're, oh, if you're having a low day or if you're having a high day, because of what you've decided to create, you're constantly in the work. I had no think, choice. I think it's a great, I think it's a great point. Like yeah. if I don't do the work, I don't pay the rent. So like, I got it. Right. You know, that's, that's my reality now. Right. But, well, and it's a great yeah. point to even the topic of like, Hey, dry January is done. What now? Get yourself in the herd, get yourself in the middle of it, get yourself in the work, like yeah. where you're yeah. doing yeah. what you're doing in, in any okay. form. And I think that's finding purpose. Yeah. Right. You know, if you're, if you're, if your dry January is over and you're wondering what now, find some purpose, right? And spread the message, all the things that, that we should do anyway, I feel, right? Like, I don't think, I think recovery comes with conditions, right? Yeah. And you find it and, and, and spreading that message is one of them. Like in my mind, I, I mean, not everybody has to do that, but I'm, I'm pretty uh, passionate about that. And, and full disclosure, I'm not even a 12 stepper. Yeah. I just believe that spreading the message is something that hey, you live through it. You owe it. 
right? I, <laughs> you know what you feel. You feel I love that. Through hell, right? I love that. Right? Yeah. This is a super interesting topic for me because I had one round of sobriety that lasted like almost a year and a half before I relapsed. And then now I'm, you know, two, almost two and a half years into this one. But there was like a year long relapse in the middle of those. And like Jason was saying, there was just one day when I was like 14 months sober and it was just kind of a shitty day. Not like the worst. Th- I don't even remember what happened. So it wasn't that bad. Right. But I was like, you know, I think I'm going to have a beer. And I did. And that was it. You know, that that sent me on a, a year of hell. Um, it took a little while to ramp up. But the huge difference between staying sober that time and staying sober this time is that I got to the point of what now that first time I quit. And I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to be doing. Like I figured out how to not drink. And that's as far as I ever made it. I, when I stopped drinking the first time, I was like drowning in shame, right? And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was so humiliated and mortified that I was one of those people with an alcohol problem. And God forbid my family or my neighbors or my friends or anybody else find out. So I didn't tell a soul that I quit drinking. And that I had a problem. My husband knew I wasn't drinking, but he just thought it was like for health reasons. He never thought that I would could possibly have, you know, an addiction to alcohol. And so for 14 months, I stayed sober and I didn't talk to a single person. I never went to a meeting. I never even like I started kind of vaguely listening to a couple of podcasts, but not on any sort of regular basis. I had no picture of what it was supposed to look like. I had no that's idea. What true recipe for like that's a roadmap to relapse. It absolutely. Right? Like, but no, I, I mean nobody told me. I had no idea, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's exactly exactly what it was. Um and so when I hit the what now moment this time, I was, you know, I was in groups, I was talking to people, I was connected and and it looks so different. I actually started identifying the things about me that made me want to drink. Like, you know, you get to the point after I don't know, like a month or two, maybe three, depending on the person, where it's really easy to not drink, right? You Like you have figured that out. You can do life. You can get through the hard days. You can get the flat tire and not be like dying of a craving, right? But then there's the, why did I drink in the first place? What was going on in my life? And that's what I started friend of mine, into this time. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but a, a very good friend of mine. Well, he's he's the owner of the Autrist Treatment Center here, and where where I the whole reason I came to Thailand said to me, "There's a there's a metaphoric fence in recovery." And Jason, I'm sure you're going to relate to this one with the, the amount of time you have in. Um, and it's just, it's something that if I'm honest with myself, I've only come to this metaphoric fence maybe two or three months ago when I decided to come to Thailand, where it's not about the addiction; it's about the recovery. So it's, it's like, okay, I'm not white knuckling it. And all of the gems that people give you, you know, like, like you have to stay within values and you have to, you know, all of these things that people say that you nod and smile through for your first, however long that is for you. Right. For me, I nodded and smiled for like 10 solid months. Right. <laughs> and then it all started to make sense. Right. The, the importance of living in your values. Right. And probably, probably being the biggest one. Right. And I was trying very hard to be an honest, authentic person. Now I understand how important that is. Right. Because and how easy it is to, to start slipping when you start slipping. Right. You know, but um, that does that metaphoric fence and whatever. For some people, it might be a month. For for me, it was 10, you know, yep. if, I, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of those, I think for me, about it was about at, at about six months where it was just like some of the stuff starts trickling in and actually sinking in and you can actually pull, pull, pull it out and start relating to it. 
right? It 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 ends up having a, a, a deeper meaning, and I think that's where my growth actually started exploding. Was when was when I could actually connect the dot from those little golden nuggets that other people would throw out, and then I would be able to to relate that to my own experience, and then bring that back out in my own words. Yeah. Right. 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 Like. Yeah. I had the hardest time with one day at a time. I hated the saying, I hated it. And un- until I gave it my own definition, right? I gave it a right. definition that, th- that came from me, that related to me and, and, and that gave me a sense of purpose or definition with, with that saying until then I, I hated it. I'm perfectly fine with it. Now I love it. Like I ha- I have my own version of it, but before, woo, what what's your version of it? Ooh, that's a good question. It's more like staying in the present. Yeah. It's it's not even really about taking it one day at a time at all. It's, it's right about now. trying to be in the now. Yeah. That's I can change. Feeling. Yeah, I can yeah. change. Yeah. It doesn't even I don't have to wake up tomorrow to change anything. Yeah. It does take you see people with, you know, 10 years, 27 years, Jason, and you've done that one day at a time, one moment at a time, and it all adds up. So it's not about the race at all. For me, it was, I started relating that time to like time is, is actual base currency we all use. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you think about it, the 27 years it's all gone already. Mm-hmm. I have experiences from it and that, you know, memories and it's shaped who I am. But at the same time, I can't do anything about the last 27 years. I can, I'm still just present today the same way you're just present today. And all I can do is what I've got going on today. This is exactly why counting is hard for me. Why, why I don't. Yeah. My sober date coincides with my father's passing. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason if you ask me, I'm like, okay, I have to do the math every time I have to do the math. As soon as you were saying that at the beginning of the show that you were going to ask us our sober days or how long we've been sober. I'm like, okay, fuck. I got to Okay. 14. Okay. And I'm just, I go, it figures out. Right. And I'm like, shit, what is it? Right. Right. <laughs> right. But that is, well, the, the whole idea of counting days is a really interesting thing because for some people they thrive on it. You know, every milestone is a cause for celebration and it's really meaningful and it, it motivates them to keep going forward. Yeah. 100%. And for some people, it's like counting the days becomes so tedious and monotonous and frustrating and all of that, that it almost demotivates them. And I think that's and something at, that- at a relapse, at a relapse, it's even worse than that, right? right? I can tell you the reason I never went back into the rooms initially was because of the shame of zero. Yeah. I just, I did not want to go back in and collect that goddamn white tag again. I just did not, right? And it, it, it was, for me, it was, it was- absolutely shameful. I wanted nothing to do with that. Now it's more just whenever my life hasn't evolved that way. I'll tell you what, if there was a meeting here, I would go just so I could speak to another sober English speaking person in Thailand, because that's, that's, that's tough, right? Right. I, I would love to have that community, that fellowship, <laughs> because it's, it's really tough here that way. Right. But yeah. We um, do have meetings just so you know, on Monday nights and you can come and <laughs> with us on Zoom and we all speak English. You know what? I, I might just take you up on that. <laughs> I spend 12, 16 hours a day talking on the computer. So, uh, you know, right. Like right. it's just that a friend of my mother's was coming through town. Here we are in Thailand and she just happened yeah. to be coming through town last week. 
And she messages me. He's like, hey, my friend, your mom's, you want to go for coffee? Yep. But <laughs> 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 where are we going to be, right? Like I get to sit and talk with somebody else who speaks my language and knows somebody I know and I'm down, right? Yeah. yeah right, normally I'm in the grocery store with my translation app trying to figure out what dog treats to buy for crying out loud, right? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're, I know you're in Thailand. I don't know what time that equals for 830 Eastern, but you're definitely welcome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely welcome. Uh, it was, it's an even 12, so it's p.m. to a.m. Oh, okay. p.m. for Eastern time, right? Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, well, it's a ni- 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 nice morning meeting for you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah right, right. Okay. And I, feel, I try and work from midnight to noon because it's uh, it gets awful hot at noon. So <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. there's only air conditioning in one room, my bedroom, so it's like that's a good time for a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to get Haley involved in this. Yeah. Yes. So I, I like to listen. I love to listen to Nail. Um, I haven't had or experienced a what now moment because of the way I got sober. It, <laughs> I'm one of the ones that did die and um, for 17 minutes. And so I have, that's why I'm faith based um, because I got 17 minutes with our Savior, my Lord and Savior. And I, for me, I, I'm always going to go by my Christianity, my beliefs, but I do respect every belief. So I'll lay that out there. Um, so I've had a what now moment and I try to live every day in the presence. I think I try, I wake up trying to, you know, cause it's, I have a lot to battle coming up, but it's, everyone's like, how do you just float by? I'm like, I'm like a little singing bird. I don't know, but I can tell y'all one thing, like, I know it's going to happen and I'm going to be okay. So my, while I'm here on this dwelling that I call earth, I'm going to just spread the message, give hope to the hopeless. Cause there are people struggling and there are people like me that I see them like, and I want them to know that we see them. And my shirt today, it says we recover out loud. So those that uh, can, um, don't die in silence. So I also like Jason, I always try to promote. And so it, it starts the conversation, right? So, and I'll wear my Throw the Glass um, podcast hoodie, and it gets the conversation going. Yeah. <laughs> Go team. Okay. How can I not be excited? <laughs> <Cheerleader. laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm like a little cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, if you follow me, and, and you might, but everyone knows that I try to stay as positive because there is, there's hope, right? And um, I don't want, uh, I'm 37, I turned 37 this year, I don't want um, a mother, which I'm a mother. <clears throat> I don't want a father. I don't want a, any of this happening where they think I'm going to have this one little drink and it's going to be okay. Because what I have noticed in since I got out and recovered out loud, as soon as I was out of the hospital and um, everything, I I immediately recovered out loud. I, I had no choice at that point because I had to spread the hope, spread my message and <clears throat> So that's what I had to do, and I never had a what now moment. I feel like um, that, that was your what now moment. Yeah, oh yeah. But see, I had 17 minutes to get a message that I don't, I don't know how many other people have experienced it. So I can't only talk from my own experience. You know, I, I mean, I literally woke up and I was like, oh, what a lovely, beautiful dream I just had, and I had been dead for 17 minutes, and I woke up a month later, and I just thought I was. I took a nice little like siesta. Okay. I really, I remember I was like, all right, Jesus, this is it. After this bottle, we're done. Okay. 
And I was because he took me right then and right there. And by the grace of God, my husband, he's traveled. He's a um, truck driver. He was in Florida that week. And um, he, for whatever reason, came home and just found me. Our living room looked like a massacre. I, this way, I lost all the blood in my body. And it was just, it was, I mean, to hear it from his point, it's it's gut-wrenching for me, you know. And I am very blessed that my daughter was not here. I'm very blessed that her father was able to be there. And so I just, for all this time, all my mistakes, and I, it God was always there. And I'm just like, no, where's my bottle? I mean, I it was just awful. Anywho, yeah. anywho, I'm here now. And that's what I can do is right now is put my feet on the ground and get out there and spread hope. And that is, that's my only goal. You know, I don't, I don't care what color, race, religion you are. If you talk to me, just let me give you hope, you know? So, and I have some great influencers around me that have given me the opportunity to open doors for me because living in, I'm from Nashville, but I live in a small town and now, and I'm the only one in a small little town here in Munford, Tennessee, that will admit that this is an epidemic and it's a problem. I will have grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles come to me because there's so much shame in a small town. And I'm like, I'm from, I've traveled. I'm like, no, 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 there's got to be a way. There's got to be a better way. Like, and I, so anyway, there is a better way. And that means that's why I'm here right now with all of you lovely people. So that's what I got for that, about what now? This is it for right now, you know? I think, so your, your <laughs> message is, it's so valuable and, and your story is so powerful, Haley. And I know that you intend to share a lot more of that here coming up soon. Um, so make sure, well, make sure to let us know and we'll make sure we share that too, because yeah, it is such a powerful and important story for people to hear. The idea of staying in the moment is so important. And I think, you know, we were just talking about time and how long have you been sober and, and all of that. And it's so easy to get, you know, when you when you've figured out how to stay sober for the most part on a day to day basis, it's so hard to start thinking about forever and, and freaking yourself out. Right. Or even I feel like that's too like, much for me. I'm like, no. Yeah. Or <laughs> even just... a year. And that's when we go back to the one day at a time thing. But, you know, I mean, and, and that works for some people and it doesn't work for other people. And there's a thousand opinions just on the idea of one day at a time. But there's something when it comes to what now, there's something so important about just waking up in the morning and asking yourself, what do I need to do today to stay sober, to make my life feel full, to, you know, further myself towards this purpose that I carry. I know my my motto is create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. And for me, my what now became not just getting rid of things because that's what it feels like when you quit drinking. You just, you get rid of things. You get rid of the, the fun and you get rid of the drinking and you get rid of the friends and on all of that, right? So for me, it was about bringing things into my life that made my life feel full. And you can do that every single day with intention and with, with meaning. Um, and I think that there's, yeah, there's a lot of value in not getting too caught up in the, the long term and just thinking about today. So yeah, like it works for some people, you know, it does. And I, I think, I'm sorry, Jason, I didn't mean to cut You're you good. off. You're good. Thing, I support any way you get sober. I don't care how you get sober, get sober. Cause this epidemic, it's not going to end. It's going to get worse. You know, it's not going to end. 
until we as a you know we stand up for those who won't speak you know so that okay sorry jason i was gonna say that no i just was gonna just on you know when you're talking about like the one day at a time or staying in the moment for me throughout my recovery like i have done everything wrong in recovery like i haven't followed all the guidelines i haven't followed all the rules i've gone rogue i've ignored suggestions the only reason i'm sober 27 years and the only thing i've done perfectly over the last 27 years is no matter what just don't drink and so regardless of what's going on in my life if i'm going through really low lows you know because the longer you stay sober the more you get to experience life like you get to go through divorces and houses and bankruptcies and job losses and deaths and all the things but then you also get all the amazing things. You get the bursts and the marriages and the celebrations, all of the high highs, all of the low lows, no matter what was going on. Like I live this life of no matter what I do, just don't drink. And that was because of, you know, the gift I was given when I had my last drink of that, like, I can't drink like a normal person, or this is always going to be my result because of that gift. If I just don't drink, no matter what, I always have the opportunity to overcome what I'm going through. But the second I put alcohol in my body, whether it's a good good day and I'm celebrating because I'm bored, because I don't know what to do with my day, because some friends invited me out, or because I'm going through some sort of trauma or tragedy, but the second I put any sort of mind-altering chemical in my body, I lose the ability to overcome whatever I'm going through. I lose the power to do anything about it. And so the only thing that I've done that has allowed me to live the life I've led is just don't drink no matter what. And that's always given me the opportunity to apply the tools, go to yoga, talk to another alcoholic. Like, but as soon as I drink, I lose the ability to do any of that. Um, Jason, I had a question. So whenever social media became a thing, because you've been sober 27 years, I gave a thing. Did you, or whatever, 25? Was it 25? Yeah. No, 27. You're right. I just didn't want to. Abby solicits MSN Messenger. Free social media. The country could pay attention. Um, how did social, for people that are out there, um, how did social media affect that? I mean, did, were you always, you know, it started as AA, it's been a taboo. Was, did no. that change? Or what now? Like, do I get online and do this? Or do I, did you wait? I don't know. There, there might well, be people out there that might, not had the same thing because I like the OG AA style of stuff too, but I well, don't. Kind of, I attend through the glass meetings. I don't, you know, I don't follow the steps verbatim. I, I think it's <laughs> changed a little bit. Like Chuck mentioned, he's not active in it. Like his recovery isn't necessarily twelve step based. My recovery I found in the twelve step program, but I know there's a lot of different paths to recovery. It absolutely changed the dynamic within a twelve step room. Twelve step rooms are, you know highly focused on anonymous and, you know, no promote outside promotion. And, and even I felt it in my own recovery community, the more I started to speak about, I celebrated one of my, I think it was my 15th year sober publicly on Facebook. So that was 12 years ago. Yeah. I got a lot of grief celebrating that publicly on Facebook because it was still Anonymous. Like a gray area in the twelve in the twelve step rooms, yeah. and for me, like you, when I when you see me talk about recovery publicly, I never, I always refer refer to it as a twelve step program. I don't know. I try to follow their principles as much as I as I can. 
um, in their tra- in their traditions. Mm-hmm. But the day I shared that that. 15 year milestone and got vulnerable on Facebook and shared about my experience and was willing to let other people see that. I had a gentleman reach out to me at four in the morning, struggling, read my post, called me. His recovery day is the day after mine. And he's now been sober 15 or 12 years because of that post. Yeah. For me, it was like one life, but it was like there for me, it, it showed me that Recovering out loud is going to help more people find a solution. You know, being being that door, you know, it proved to me in that moment that that's kind of like Chuck said, I have a responsibility to give this back. I have, it is my job to share what I've been given, whether I'm doing it in that 12-step room or not. The anonymous part of 12-stepping, to me, the way I, I see that, and again, without a lot of time in the rooms, I'm probably not the right person to speak to what I my interpretations are but I can speak to what they are because they are. To me, the anonymity portion of, of 12 step is about respecting other people's anonymity. If I want to recover out loud, then I should damn well be able to. And, yeah. but on that same, on the same thing, on the same amount of passion, if I don't want to, you don't get to do that for me. Right. Yeah, so right. to me, if you can respect Absolutely. that, that's 100%. to me what the anonymous means. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it's, and it's a funny dynamic. And, and maybe, Steve, you can speak to this being Canadian. I'm, I'm never caught where you're from, Jason. Sorry. I, never... uh, I've, I live in Sun Valley, Idaho. Okay. Something I've noticed since having guests on the show from 12-step programs on my show is that south of the border in the U.S., it seems to be a lot more, the 12-step community seems to be much more against this recover out loud thing than, than it is in Canada. And I, I, that might just be anecdotal because, you know, my, you know, limited experience or whatever. But it, it, there seems to be a rather passionate community of the 12 steps in the U.S. that are quite against this whole thing. And just speaking to other content creators, and whereas in Canada, nobody seems to give a shit. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing. I'm not sure what I that think is. It's just a cultural thing, to be honest with you. It's, uh, yeah, just like culturally, I don't think like, we're passionate about different things. And I, I, I think we're a little bit more open-minded to what everyone else wants to do. If you, because we're so damn polite, right? That's what it comes down to. That's what, <laughs> seriously, that's what it comes down to. It's like, oh, that's what you're doing. Cool. High five. Carry on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to go shovel my driveway now there, bud. All right. Okay. All about the gate, my tool. I think the really valuable piece of this whole social media thing is that when people get to that what now point in their recovery, wherever it is, they have access to so many different answers to that question. We, I think things were really limited before we had people recovering out loud the way that they do now and all of the access on social media and websites to all of the different ways that people can recover because what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. And that's a huge part of our message here. So yeah, I think that's that's a really special and important part of of what social media has has given to the recovery community. Shame needs to succeed. And shame is horrible. Shame is a wet blanket. It's shit. It's secrecy, silence, and judgment. Right? And, and so recovering out loud, and Haley, I love how passionate you are about that. To me, that's like, that's how we get rid of the shame, right? You know, in the secrecy, silence, and judgment. Let's, so I I I had to leave the shame at the door in front of (laughs) 
God, I mean, God himself. I had to leave it at the door. And it, so it it was different experience for me, I think, very much so. And the cultural thing, I think, okay, I live in Tennessee, which is this very southern state, very um, conservative state. And now I live in a very small town. And it's when I go to Nashville, it's, it's such a different environment. When we go out and do our outreach programs, me and um, – Rachel from um, um, Attic with a Purpose, we do that. Oh, and um, yes. whenever I'm in town, that Rachel, my I love Rachel. Sister. She's my I love Rachel. Yeah. She's she's how we heard about the about you guys at all. Actually, yeah. Now that you mentioned yep. that, yeah, same. Yeah. She okay. um, contacted Steve, yeah. and now and now I'm stuck with them. Stuck. I love I love the you're stuck. You're stuck. Where is this cute thing no, about just, Yeah. No, you know when you go somewhere and you just feel like okay, I can breathe. This is where I'm supposed to be. Finally, I found my family, like my home group. So I just kind of started saying that that's my home group because that's where I feel safe. It's my safety space, right? I trust them explicitly. Blech. You don't. I can't talk. It's fine. That's a Tennessee <laughs> thing. Maybe I, I skipped kindergarten to farm. <laughs> Just oh, Haley. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh man. Okay. But so yeah, it is. Um, it's hard for in small towns, like you said, because there's the shame. That, like I, it's for, and I am in married into a family where no, this is taboo. It's taboo. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry. I've, weird voices every time I get passionate about them. You'll get to know giggles one day. <laughs> I think for the what now, and I'm going to wrap this up, for the what now, we all mentioned one thing and we all kind of have one thing and that was when you hit that moment, you find a different sort of purpose. Julie, you mentioned social media because we, we, we had a good conversation here about the social media and what that brings to the table. And it can bring a lot of ideas as to I'm at this spot. I don't really know what to do. It's kind of like floating in the middle of nowhere. It's I have to make a decision. And when you get out there and you see all of these other people doing these things, it can definitely help you point you in the right direction. Jason, I know because I follow you, you started doing, I I saw you having a video doing yoga, and I think you started jujitsu. Yeah. And, and I'm awful. I'm awful. And on the last episode you were on, you to, we talked about embracing the suck. Yeah. Right? You were at a what yoga now moment. Suck. <laughs> right? You were at a what now moment, and yeah. you decided yeah. to try something new. Uh, Sometimes... My my motto for this year is just walk through the door. Right. Sometimes yeah, you just ha- the hardest thing we have all had to do is walk through the door, walk through the door of recovery, walk through the door of a, a new job, whatever it is. But just walking through that door, you get to experience something new. So all of that really is, you said there's nothing that resolves a disconnect than another human connecting to another human. And that gives me the tingles when I, when I heard you say that and even rereading that right now, because in the end, when we're stuck at the what now, that disconnect right there, connecting another human with another human helps us figure out what that what now really is. Yep. Even when we're yep. stuck in the minutia of still trying to figure it out. Well said. So, well said. Yep. I want to say thank you, Chuck. 
Thank you, Haley. And thank you, Jason, for spending your time with us today. Really appreciate your thoughts and your experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. And thanks. It's great meeting you you guys as well, Chuck. And yeah, it's great meeting you all, Chuck yeah. and Jason. Yeah. And as always, we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow through the Glass Recovery Podcast so you always get notified when we post new episodes like the one next week about vulnerability.